Welcome back to your listeners. This is Charlotte, Creative and Technical Director at Evidence for Faith. We are over halfway through our Ephesians 2.10 series, and this third lesson is called A New Creation. For me, personally, this was the most fun to put together, so if you'd like to see the pretty pictures and all the fun things uh, that are in the PowerPoint and part of the video, you can check that out at evidenceforfaith.org under the Learn tab. You can also directly support this broadcast and help us keep it free by donating at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. Once again, this was filmed live at Riverside Bible Camp, so if you hear some people in the background, that's just our audience. So without... Further ado, here is Michael in A New Creation. Well, while you are all in here, after the family activity out there with the launching of rockets, NASA wants to know who is the girl who sent one into the trees because it was recorded on the radar at Houston. And so uh, that person's famous now. <laughs> It'll be on the news tonight that there was flying objects flying in the sky. Um, no, it's, it was just the rockets here um, going off. That's what it was. But how you all doing? You have a good day? Yeah. Wasn't this great weather? Yeah. Isn't it a lot cooler in here tonight? <laughs> yes. It's a lot cooler in here tonight. It's what? Much better. Much better. That's right. Well, as we get started here tonight, as you can see, we're going to be talking about a new creation. And as we do this, um, I got to tell you a story. Uh, a while back, I was in Walmart, and not I. I generally don't go to those self-checkout things. I sometimes like to talk to people. And so I like to go there and talk to a person. I mean, standing there at the self-checkout thing and talking to the machine, people want to sometimes, you know, take me away in a rubber truck or something. Like, how are you doing? Anybody been pushing your buttons today? You know, it, it, doesn't, it just doesn't go well. So if you have a person standing there, hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, do you ever get tired of hearing that ding, 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 you know, all day long? Yeah. yeah I'd love to have those conversations. Well, I was in Walmart a while back, and I, there was a couple people in line ahead of me. One of them was this um, adult lady, and she was at the counter having a conversation, <laughs> people can call it this, a conversation with the person who was behind working the register. And the thing is, it was not a conversation that was going well. It was sort of insulting. She was very upset about the price or something, I don't know, uh, there was another customer in front of me. I'm back here, but something was going on, and she was really upset. And the, the young gal who's re working the register was just getting, you know, just assaulted by this. And the person who's, I mean, we're standing here listening to this, and the person who is between me and the gal, the other customer right in front of me, sort of turns and says, can you believe the way this gal is acting? Now, how childish. And I said, yeah, that's, it's, it's really sad when you see somebody do that, that childish. And I said, you know what? And he, he made a comment or two more about, I can't believe she's acting like that. And I said, you know what's really sad? Obviously, this girl has not, uh, this, this lady has not really grown up. I mean, you're right. It's very childish behavior. But I said, what really, what really sort of bothers me is she never grew up. She's never come to the potential she possibly could be. 
And he looked at me like, what? And I'm like, do you realize that that type of person who's you know, carrying on like this, the contribution that person could make, this lady could make to the world, we'll never know because she never grew up. And he was like, wow, <laughs> this guy's sort of weird. <laughs> I just, you know, a little conversation here. I thought she was acting bad. Well, she is, but you know, some people just act childish as adults. I mean, you sort of expected a little toddlers and stuff, but when an adult starts acting really goofy, I mean, come on, it's embarrassing. And you feel embarrassed for the person. And you know something? It's just not like that at Walmart. We see today, in particular, we see a lot of people who have not grown up. Uh, if you're on social media, like Facebook or something, oh my gosh, some of the comments going across there. Uh, and, and other type of things. And, and some YouTubes that people put out. I mean, it's just, they're just ranting and it just shows they've never really matured. They've never become what they, sh they could have been. Uh, hopefully they will grow up sometime. But that's what we're talking about. And, and the thing is, this isn't just like I say Walmart, it's just not on social media. Believe it or not, it's sometimes in the church. I mean, I have been to churches, I'm, I'm old. I'm old. I've written books on archeology span um, because I'm old, I was living through it. So, <laughs> but I, I, I've been around and I've been to different churches and stuff and sometimes I have been in churches where there have been people who have acted so childish I'm just like, wow, I'm just ashamed. And when I served as an elder in the past, sometimes I had to confront people like this. It's really sad, but you know something that's also talked about in the Bible? Some people just don't grow up. They don't. And let me just show you a couple of passages here in the Bible talking about this, because this is what we're going to be sort of focusing on to begin with here. Look at this. Now, this is Paul writing. The Apostle Paul's writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is... Uh, the first three verses, and I'm using the God's Word translation. It's, it's a, like a thought-for-thought thought translation. It gives you the idea of what's going on. And it says, brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people, but as people still influenced by your corrupt nature. You were infants in your faith in Christ. I gave you milk to drink. I didn't give you solid food because you weren't ready for it. Even now, you aren't ready for it because you're still influenced by your corrupt nature. When you are jealous and quarrel among yourselves, aren't you influenced by your corrupt nature and living by human standards? Now this Corinthian church was really screwed up. If you've ever read 1 Corinthians, that was a church that was screwed up. They were so messed up and everything like that. And so Paul's sort of coming down on them. He says, hey, I can't give you good theology, really sound, deep stuff because you're infants. I can only give you light stuff. And that's sad when that kind of thing happens. And that's not the only place in scripture. Here it is, 1 Peter. He's writing in chapter two, verses one through three again, under the Holy Spirit's influence, he is writing this to Christians now. So get rid of every kind of evil, every kind of deception, hypocrisy, jealousy, and every kind of slander. Desire God's pure word as newborn babies, desire milk. Then you will grow in your salvation. Certainly you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, there's, there's sometimes people can't take really, really heavy theology and doctrine. Um, they have to settle on, on really simple things. 
because they just aren't mature enough yet to get it. Hopefully, as we all, adults and everybody in here, as we continue in our growth and our life with Christ, we start taking in more and studying more on doctrine and things. And when I say, don't let doctrine be a bad word. Doctrine, it just means teachings. And that's all it is, is the teaching. So we start to understand scripture better. Let me show you another one here. This is the writer of the book of Hebrews. Um, in chapter 5, 12, 13, and 14, it says this. This is a real slam. Get this one. By now, you should be teachers. Instead, you still need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. Stop there. That's, that's a pretty like, insulting comment to a degree. I mean, that's really strong language coming down from God here. You need milk, not solid food. All those who live on milk lack the experience to talk about what is right. They are still babies. However, solid food is for mature people whose minds are trained by practice to know the difference between good and evil. It is sad, but true. Many Christians do not spiritually grow up. They stay in spiritual infancy all their Christian lives. Isn't that sad? They never grow up. They stay babies. And I have seen this in churches. I have seen people like this. And not just at Walmart. You see this sometimes in churches. And it's sad. You see, they have not really grown up. They haven't become spiritually mature, as it talks about here. They haven't had, in some cases, uh, there are some people who claim to be Christians. They fill our churches commonly. But the thing is, um, they're like Judas Christians. They aren't really true walking with God. They carry the name, oh, I'm a Christian. And I've come across many people who said, when I've asked them, you know, um, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. And I'd love to ask them this question, how do you know? And some people will say, well, I recited a prayer. Well, that's interesting. Do you know that there is no prayer, the salvation prayer you often say? You know that's not found in the Bible anywhere? It's, it's not magic words. Some people just don't grow up and they don't mature because in some cases they don't go through a change in their life. We've been talking about this this weekend about going through a metamorphosis, how God changes us. And when we become Christians, we do change because the spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And you know, I can't think of a better example to talk about tonight to explain all this than talking about a type of an insect. Do you like talking about insects? You know, anybody here planning to be an entomologist? Somebody who plays with bugs all their life? <laughs> I'm not talking about like, you know, exterminators. I mean, no, we're talking about people who study insects and things, uh, these bugs and stuff. Well, one of the most fascinating creatures are butterflies. <laughs> they are fascinating. Do we have some butterfly lovers here? Yeah, we do. Okay, fantastic. I mean, this is remarkable that God put this, this creature um, on the planet around us. I looked around today, even took a bike ride um, around uh, this afternoon, and my wife and I got on bicycles. We asked, where can we go? They told us there's this five-mile loop that goes around like this. Um, and so we thought, oh, five-mile loop, that won't be bad. Well, we turned it into seven miles because we took a wrong turn. <laughs> and we got lost. <laughs> Luckily, I had my phone with me. I'm like, okay, where are we? <laughs> but we found our way back, obviously, and it was just a good workout. 
But uh, and then got to sit down in the cool water here at the, the river, and that, boy, that was refreshing. But anyway, I was looking as we're riding around, looking for butterflies, and every now and then we'd pass through little um, types of plants that I know are associated with certain butterflies, and I was looking to see if there was any, any you know, cocoons and stuff, and didn't see anything. That's too bad. I was hoping to find something. But what an example of transformation, of maturing, that you see with a butterfly. I mean, it's fantastic. So you guys want to learn a little bit about butterflies? Remember, I'm a biologist, so I get into stuff like this. So you want to learn a little bit about, about butterflies here? Because I'm telling you, they're a fantastic message that God has given us to help us understand more of him. So here we go. We're going to start at the beginning with a butterfly egg. Let me show you this picture. The picture on the left, way over there, it's the underside of a leaf, and that's a butterfly egg. The butterflies fly around, doo -doo 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 -doo, floating through the air, flying around. Woo! They look so cute. Everybody loves, oh, look how pretty they are. Look how pretty. Oh, you're so cute. And then they see the caterpillar. Oh, you're so ugly. <laughs> Same creature. But the thing is, they've gone through a transformation. But that's an egg. Um, this is magnified so you can see it. It's a very, very tiny egg. It is laid on the leaf of a plant. And it depends on different species and stuff like what they'll go on. But the egg is attached then to this plant on the underside to protect it from the sun and also from anything that might want to eat it. So it's protected like that. And it's housed. It's got a nice place to stay. Then it gets ready to hatch, the middle picture. It changes colors a little bit. And then, voila! Day one, it hatches. Do you see the little picture there? Isn't that cool? You have a little tiny caterpillar. How cute is that? Look how small that creature is. He is so tiny. And when he is hatched, he has a voracious appetite. These things eat. I don't know if anybody here gardens at home, if you have a home garden. Um, I notice along the road here, a lot of people have gardens all around the area. It's one thing I noticed on the bike ride today, a lot of people raise tomatoes in weed gardens. <laughs> we both, my wife and I still couldn't figure out why are there so many ripe tomatoes in all these weeds? So I, I don't know if it's a, a thing down here. Um, put your tomatoes in leaves or in weeds and stuff and let them grow. I don't know why, but, um, but these things, if you have tomato plants or and other things, they, these caterpillars, different species, will just devour them. They eat them. Oh my gosh, they eat them. And so when they start doing this, when they start after they hatch, they have a ferocious appetite. They just start consuming. And what do they consume? The plant that they're on. The thing that has protected them, that's what they're doing. So when they are hatched, the eggs hatch, they proceed to destroy the place that was their home, that was their protection, that was the, the thing that guarded them, that oversaw them, and they devour it. And they just start eating holes of this thing. It's an appetite you just can't believe. How fast they can devour not just a plant, but a whole lot of plants in a short period of time. These things are just eating machines. That's what they are. And it will destroy the plant that it rests on. The same leaf, you understand this, you understand what I'm saying? The same leaf that gave this little egg protection from the sun and from predators and stuff is now what they're going to destroy. Do you want to destroy the house that is protecting you? Oh, that's right, you don't want to do that. Don't do what I did when I was five years old. I crawled underneath my bedroom's bed, the bed that I slept in, my brother and I, with a book of matches. 
And I lit the bedspread on fire from underneath, the part that's hanging down. It had little tassels. And I thought, I wonder if this will burn. <laughs> wow. And it started to burn. I closed the door so no one would know what I was doing in the house. And I remember laying there just watching this thing burn. And it was just, holy cow, this is spreading so neat. This is really cool. <laughs> it's, this, is, <laughs> this is really, <laughs> really in interesting. It's getting a little hard to breathe. And so I pushed open, crawled out, pushed open the door. My brother was sitting on the couch. My dad was in the bathtub. And I pushed open the door, and smoke just fills into the living room. And I said, Alan, there's a lot of smoke in here. <laughs> Luckily, my brother was smart. He was much older than me. And he came in, and he beat the fire out. And uh, it was in the middle of winter. Um, and I didn't tell you, the day before this, I set my two sisters, their dollhouses, on fire. <laughs> Don't trust me with sharp instruments or matches. But see, that was wrong, right? That, that you don't, you're not supposed to do stuff like that. Don't do that. That's bad. I, I, I was bad. Don't do that. But destroying your house, the place that, that shelters you in the wintertime and stuff, to destroy it? That doesn't make much sense, but that's what these, these little creatures do. They eat this. They eat the plant and stuff. And then they start to grow. Oh, my gosh, how fast they grow. You can barely see this little one right down here at the bottom, right there. You can see the little one. But then he changes. These are called instars because they molt. Their exoskeleton doesn't grow with them, so they have to shed it. And as they do this, they we just follow the numbers. They get a little bigger. Then they get a little bigger. And then way up here, they get a little bigger until they become, holy cow, look at the size of this one to that one in a very short period of time. They do this. They are eating machines. I mean eating machines worse than what the teenagers are in the dining hall when they ring the cowbell. <laughs> Have you noticed the massive flock of some of the guys in particular? I mean, you don't want to get in their way. You know, when a cowbell rang, you know, that, that just opens up, hey, more chicken or whatever, you know, so they go there. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm glad I'm not sitting on the aisle. But that's what Sort of like, these guys are even worse. They eat even, even more than that. Now, once the larva, or the caterpillar, if you wish, has accumulated enough food and grown so big, then they go into the famous cocoon stage. They go into the cocoon, as you can see, the middle picture here, and then they sort of sit for a period of time in this cocoon, or chrysalis, if you want to call it that, and they go through a metamorphosis. Now, we talked about this word last night, Metamorpho is the Greek word, the language, it's a compound word, meta here is meaning to change. You're going to change something. Um, morph, the middle part of this word, means shape or form. The study of morphology is the study of shapes. And so the changing of shape, the changing of the form, and that's metamorpho, and that's what's going on in that little cocoon. The term metamorphosis actually can be um, defined by saying, or another word for it, is transformed. Or transfigured is another word for it. Or reconstructed. These words all mean the same thing as metamorphosis. You are reconstructing something. You're changing the form of something. That's what's going on here. Now, that word appears four times in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. He sheds his human 
self for a second, takes on and shows the Shekinah glory that he is hiding uh, in front of his three uh, close disciples. Um, and, and they see this, but they see it for a short period of time. They see the glory of Jesus. And the word that is used there, he's transfigured. He's metamorpho. Also in Mark chapter 9, it describes the exact same thing. When Jesus is being transfigured, it's the word for uh, metamorphosis. It's being transformed. We also see it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, talking about Christians being metamorpho. And then and also in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we see the same thing again. So we do see this word in scripture. Now, after the transformation occurs, sort of a miracle, if you will, the creature is now a new creature, a new creation. Caterpillars don't fly. This creature can fly. Isn't that cool? From crawling around all the time, now all of a sudden it has wings, never crawls around like that again. Now it is free and flying everywhere. Whoa. We're going to come to what all this means with us in a minute. Its diet has changed. When it was in the caterpillar, it was eating plants. And now, as a butterfly, it drinks nectar. So its diet totally changed. Now there's something really cool about this. I just love this part of this. The larva or the caterpillar, biologically, is an agent of destruction. It destroys plants. When it is a butterfly, it is a blessing because what it is, it's an agent of life. As it flies around to different flowers to drink the nectar, in many of these, it helps pollinate them so that the, the plant will produce seeds and fruits and the plant can continue to grow, uh, to grow and be populated. So there's a fantastic difference here. It goes from an agent of destruction to an agent of life and blessing. How cool is that? And you know something? There's a lesson here that God's got for us. We, when we become Christians, we, or before we become Christians, before we're saved, we are agents of destruction. We're covered with our filthy self like we talked about last night with this. There's pieces that we're, God doesn't like that shouldn't be on us. But we are covered in this because we're sinful. What, as we talked about too, that type of life, if we, if we die like that, if we die with all the, the sin, if we're not saved, we end up with spiritual death and destruction. If we die in this, that's bad. That's the worst thing that can ever happen, is to die not being a Christian. Because in that stage, you are an agent of destruction also. That's what we don't want. Just as a caterpillar is an agent of destruction, non-Christians, people who are not Christians, are agents of destruction. Satan uses them and his demons use him to do all sorts of things, all sorts of evil. Don't believe me? Turn on the news. Read a newspaper. But when we become Christians, when we are born from above, we're born again, if you prefer, by the grace and the blood of Jesus, a major change, a metamorphosis takes place. We no longer are agents of destruction. We're now agents of a blessing. We are transformed. The word for metamorpho, transformed into something quite different. 
unrecognizable to the bat. Does a butterfly look anything like a caterpillar? No. They eat different things. They move around differently. They, they can't fly. There's so many differences. As a Christian, when we become Christians, we are transformed. God is making us into a masterpiece, a work of art. He's going to change us. He puts his Holy Spirit inside of us. We start to change. And that's what we're talking about here. The sinful nature no longer controls us. We can now say no to the different types of sins that commonly trip us up. Now, true, we are still here in this fallen world. We will still make mistakes. We will still mess up. And I understand that. And God knows that. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, for the love of Christ controls us. Um, or in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that, you're, that you are God's temple and that the spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit is now inside you when you become a Christian. That's why those of you who are Christians, you'll understand what I'm talking about, we still mess up. We still sin. On this planet, we're still going to do this. We've come to a point where we come to what's called in doctrine glorification where we don't sin anymore, but that's going to be in the next life. But here we still will mess up. But how do you feel when you mess up? When I mess up, because I do, I feel shame. I feel terrible. Also, when I am tempted, when Satan tempts me, there's like a little voice inside of me saying, Michael, don't do that. Michael, don't go there. Michael, that's not right. And if I ask why, because that is going to hurt our relationship. Michael, I don't want you to do something that's going to damage our relationship. I'll still love you, but it will make you feel terrible. You will feel guilt. You'll feel shame. I can take that away, but it's going to hurt our relationship. So that's the Holy Spirit inside of us telling us, don't go there. But sometimes, I think all of the adults understand this very well, sometimes we drag the Holy Spirit into places that he doesn't want to go. And he's the whole time saying, no, don't go there. Don't bring me in here. Well, I want to do this. And we do this. But the Spirit of God is inside of us, and he's telling us, no, don't do that. But we still are living in this planet at this time, so we have this problem. But the Spirit of God, God doesn't say, okay, you do that, I'm never going to love you again. No, he doesn't do that. He's promised to always love us. But when we do these, when we yield to sin, we damage our relationship. Then we need to go back and we need to fix it. We don't feel like it. When we sin, we sometimes feel, the last thing I want to do is talk to God right now. And you know, that's exactly what we need to do. Is come before God and say, God, I screwed up, I messed this up again. I'm sorry. See, that's what repent is. Repent isn't just saying, I'm sorry. Repent is saying, I'm sorry. Please help me never to do that again. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're going to mess up. God knows this. Satan knows your weaknesses. He's going to attack you. But the Spirit of God lives in you and tells you, deep down, you're not supposed to go there. And how do you find out? You read his 66 love letters, because he tells you how to fight battles like that. One thing that I, I do frequently for presentations is I do a thing on the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. I actually dress up in Roman armor, real Roman armor. It's replica stuff they use in movies and stuff, but I have the whole set. 
and I explain each piece. God has given us weaponry to fight about this, to, to deny these things. We're supposed to do that, but it is hard, and sometimes we still are going to mess up. As you get older, hopefully you don't mess up as often as you did when you first became a Christian because God is chipping pieces away. But sometimes it takes a long time for us to sort of learn things. But you are transformed into something different. You become a new creation. The old self has died away. Look what it says here. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. That's a promise from God. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. That's like when I told you last night, when I became a Christian, when I really did, my language and things changed instantly. A lot of the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Still tempted, and sometimes I fall, but there's a loving God who's there to help me back, who's just standing with his arms, like in the prodigal son story, just waiting for me to come back to him. like a butterfly when it emerges from the cocoon, has been transformed into something new. Have you ever noticed a butterfly never changes back into a caterpillar? So why would people, would Christians want to do this? You're transformed, you don't. We're not supposed to do that. God has made us a new creation. Wow, what can we can learn from a butterfly? It's now been transformed into a new life, a new look on the whole world, everything. It flies around, pollinating flowers, promoting life to the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. People who become born from above, who become Christians by God's actions, we look at life differently. We don't look at life the same way. We can watch the news, and yeah, sometimes it's a little upsetting, but we can like, know that God is in control. Nothing is happening in the news and all around the world that is like God wakes up one morning and says, now what have they done? No, it doesn't work like that. He knows everything that is going on. And he is in total charge. As a matter of fact, he told us in many passages how screwed up the world is going to get in the last days. And all these things are being fulfilled just like it is. So we as Christians now should be looking at life uh, as something to be treasured. Uh, not to be treasured selfishly, just looking for ourselves, we strive to serve God. That's what we're supposed to do. The butterfly is now, instead of destroying the plants, it's helping the plants. We, instead of being against God, are now for God. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.9 it says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. That's what we are supposed to do. Please God. Live a life that is pleasing to God. That's what our command is. Our chief concern now isn't ourselves. Our chief view of everything should be, how can I do this for God? Let me ask you this. When you pray, and I hope you pray. Praying is just talking to God. When you pray, think for a moment. Rhetorical question. Don't answer out loud. Do you pray, God, give me this. God, I want you to do this. God, do this. God, I want this. God, I need you to do this. Do we pray like that? How often do we do this and pray this way? God, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you? That's how we should be praying too. 
Yes, we're supposed to come to God with our needs and stuff. I mean, he already knows what we need. But how often do we ever come to God and say, God, how can I help you? You've done so much for me. Show me how to help you. Just a challenge for you there. See, we are now butterflies in a way. We're free. We fly around. We can sail through life knowing that God is with us. We don't have to fear this world. We don't live in fear, or we shouldn't, because God is in control of all things. Let me just end with this passage here. In Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, and this is out of the New Living Translation, it reads, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to, to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you, metamorphosis, transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. That is a great verse to memorize. That is a great passage that we Christians should understand and focus on. The way we live our life, we're focusing on God. That's what we should be doing. And you feel the little nudging inside? That's, if you're a Christian, that's the Holy Spirit urging us to do this. But you know, there might be people here tonight that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I talked about my experience last night. I want to just bring it up to you today, again tonight, because this is so important. It's not magic words, like I say. It's not reciting a prayer that these magic words will all of a sudden give me um, fire insurance from hell. I don't have to go to hell. That's not what this is about. It's not magic words. Most people become Christians by praying to God because you're talking to him because he did so for you. It's what's taking place in your heart. Do you really know that you are separated from God? because of your sin. God is holy. He cannot have sin around him. He created us to be with him, but because of our sin, we can't be with him. We're separated from God, and there's not one thing we can do about it. Only God can fix that. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift from God is eternal life. If we believe, as John uses the word believe so many times in the scripture, like in John 3, 16, whosoever believeth, the word believe is the Greek word pestuo, which is a hard word to translate into English because it means two things. It means to put your trust in and to commit to. It's not knowing head facts. That was my problem when I was a kid. I memorized history. I never had a relationship with Christ until I was in eighth grade. When I committed my life to him, where I trusted he can cover all my sins, took it away and fixed it, his spirit came inside of me, and it changed my life forever. Have you done that? I want to pray. Father God, we just come before you right now, and I offer this up to you. You know every single person who is here, every single person listening. And if there's somebody right now sitting in here or listening that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they have never committed and trusted you as Savior, that, the, that you, maybe you're just a historical figure, 
I pray right now, Lord, that they would fix this, that they would accept the free gift that you're giving them. And it's so simple. It's not magic words. It's what we think and feel inside here because it's so simple. You've made salvation so easy for us to have that we just acknowledge, yes, Lord, I'm separated from you. I'm not holy. I do a lot of bad things. Lord, I can't fix it. I believe Jesus died for me. He took my place in death. Now I want to live for him. Fill me with your spirit. I trust you as my savior. Now, if you prayed that, if that's what you just prayed, that means, and if you really meant it, like I say, it's not magic words. If you really meant that, then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are now a Christian, and the Holy Spirit will be placed inside of you. Then you are to grow and live your life differently. The Spirit of God will start to give you different ways of thinking. He just does this if it's real. It's not magic words. It's what's going on in here. Lord, I pray for each one in here, everybody who's listening, that everyone who has heard this will accept your free gift that we have talked about all this weekend, this free gift of grace and salvation that you offer, that we are born now from above. And Lord, I pray too that anyone who did this tonight, that they would tell their parents, they would tell somebody, tell me, tell somebody, let them know that they have made this decision. And Lord, if it is in a family, I pray that the family will just gather around them and rejoice because it says in heaven when someone does this, the angels dance around the thrones and uh, your throne. And so we just are praying that that's what's happening here. Your desire is that no one would be lost, that no one would go to hell, but we choose to go there. It's our choice that we're making. I pray, Lord, that these people now, everyone who's heard this is now on board with you. And we thank you for this free offer of grace you give us in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed that episode. A big thank you as you to our donors for making this ministry possible. Once again, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org slash give and help us keep this broadcast free. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org slash give. You can also support us by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review on this podcast. If you would like to hear Michael live, you can check out our bookings calendar at evidenceforfaith.org. This is Charlotte signing off. I'll see you on the next episode.